lost and lonely within, but with one trust, compassion, the King of all kings, in pity and love, took me under. child of the king his royal blood now flows in my veins and I'm who was rich and poor now can sing praise God praise God I'm a child of the king With a heavenly home, my holy Father has made me his own. Now I'm cleansed by his blood, and I'm clothed in his love. And someday I'll sing with the angels above. child of the King, His royal blood now flows in my veins, and I who was wretched and poor now can sing, praise God, praise God, I'm a child of the King. Amen. Thank you, honey. I appreciate it. Thank you, church, for singing that, for indulging me with that this afternoon. I want to be in the book of Romans, chapter number 8. The book of Romans, chapter number 8. Once you get there, you'll understand why I sang the song. Uh, <clears throat> I preach on this thought, a child of the king. I don't want to take a whole long time, uh, but uh, there are several things that I'd really love for us to get to. Uh, in this passage, Romans chapter number 8, verse number 14, and we'll read down through verse 17. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. Now, I'm just going to jump right in, and I want you to notice, number one, that there is an assurance of being a child of the King. Uh, I, I know, I have actually seen my birth certificate uh, for some reason when we moved from Florida, I think maybe get my passport or something, I had to have my my uh, my birth certificate, and on it, it said the father was Ralph Eugene Burke, and the mother was Sandra K. Hockaday Burke, and don't make fun of my mama's name, I'll whoop you in Jesus' name, but Sandra K. Hockaday Burke, and so right then, Allie, I, I knew that these were my parents, and at least legally, these were my parents, 
But then I, I get to looking, and I, I still don't know where the red hair come from. I need somebody to help me right there, because nobody in my bloodline, not a not a single person in my bloodline ha, has got red hair. So I don't know where that came from. Maybe there was a delivery made one day. I have no idea. But I'm going to tell you something. I can judge by my actions and by my physical attributes, by my attitudes, by uh, my personalities, that I am the blood relation to Ralph Burke, especially, as well as to Sandra K. Burke. But as a child of God, I want us to know that we have assurance that we are one of His children. We no longer have the spirit of fear. I need about three people to say amen right there. Notice what our text verse number 15 says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. How could he say that in verse number 15? Because there is a verse 14. He says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, you can say they are led from from being a sinner to being a child of God. They become a son of God. Or maybe this verse is speaking about once you are saved, you are led by the Spirit of God. And that is an assurance of salvation. And I believe it is uh, being led by the Lord, being in Christ, uh, loving the brethren, those are all assurances of being saved or being a child of God. But verse 15 says that because of verse 14, because we are led by the Spirit and because we are sons of God, you have not received the spirit of bondage. Now, you can stop right there and shout for about a week. We have not received the spirit of bondage. That's good in and of itself. But it says again unto Is that not what it says? Again, to fear. He says, we have not received the same spirit that we once had. We have not received the spirit that is full of the children of the devil. We have not received, there has been a change, amen? He says, you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. There is nothing to fear as a child of God. Who was it? Theodore Roosevelt said, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. Well, as a human being, that's an awful hard pill to swallow because there are things that make us fearful. There are things that make us afraid and just bind us up with with anxiety. But honey, I want you to know as a child of God, whatever may come your way, whatever may stand in your path, there is a big God looking over it. He has control over it. He says you don't have to fear. Daddy's here. Amen. So we have assurance in this verse. Fear is no longer the driving force in a child of God. I realize from my own experience that there will come times where anxiety may cripple you. Anxiety or things may have you bound up in such a way that Man, you can't hardly get away from it. You gotta go talk to somebody. Maybe they put you on some medication, whatever it may be. I'm not, I'm not down in any of those things, brother Kenny, but I'm gonna tell you at the very seat of this thing, the child of God has nothing to fear. Amen. How because we have the spirit not of bondage again to fear. Oh, but listen to what it says. But ye, have received.
receive the spirit of adoption. Now, if you didn't shout on that first part about not having the spirit of bondage again to fear, I need y'all to go ahead on and shout about having the spirit of adoption. Amen? Matter of fact, he went on and he said, you've got this spirit of adoption and whereby, or because of that spirit of adoption, we can now cry, Abba, Father. We can now call Him Daddy. We can get on His lap and call Him Papa. It's an intimate term. And He says, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby ye cry, Abba, Father. Now, I want to notice this. I told you first that we have the assurance. Number two, we have been adopted. Now, I know that I am flesh and bone of Ralph and Kay Burke. I know that. I'm their biological child. And before I forget to say it, I didn't put it in my notes. Before I forget to say it, uh, maybe you've been adopted into a family. You, <laughs> you need to slap three fat people and run around town half cocked on the Holy Ghost because somebody chose you. Amen. <laughs> You see, mom and daddy, they wanted a little boy or they, with my sister, they wanted a little girl and they, they got what God gave them. A little freckle-faced, fat, pudgy, little red-headed boy. Now, and they were stuck with him. Come on. And they've loved me and they've, they've raised me. But I tell you, there's something special about adoption. My goodness, I said there's something special about adoption, uh, whether it's well, whether it's in the family or whether you have to go and find uh, a little child, maybe maybe the mother or the father, maybe they're they're bare and they can't have a child, and so uh, they long to hold a baby, and so they go to some adoption agency or they they find a child that needs a mom and daddy, and they go so far as to as to quite literally pick that child out. That child one day may, may grow up to have some, some tendencies of resentment of being rejected by someone else and they may have some, some, uh, again, some fear or some anxiety about being uh, left or being betrayed by their biological parent. But I'm going to tell you something. There is something special about the fact that somebody said, you don't look like me. There's something special about you don't act like me. You're not bone of my bone and blood of my blood, but I want you to be. And so they go to the far extents to the, this word of adoption. It means to place as a son. To say, I know that you didn't come from my body, but I love you so much it feels like you did. And this is what I say before I forget it. There's some folks who say, well, I've got three biological children and one adopted child. No, honey, I believe you got four children, amen? You got four youngins. Oh, whether they're adopted or biological, bless God, it ought to bless you to be adopted. And as a child of God, we are adopted. We are placed as a son. As a child into the family of God. In the Roman times when, which is who this letter is written to, they, they had adoptions that back then and it completely changed the person's life. Many times the adoptions were done for a sonless father. Maybe they had a, maybe they had a daughter, but they didn't have a, a son to carry on the family name. Maybe they, they didn't have any children and they wanted a child. Like I said, they wanted to hold a child and they, and that, mamas and daddies, y'all help me. There's something different about being a mom and dad. Oh, sometimes 
I got a 16-year-old now, and sometimes it gets a little tricky. Some of y'all got got some of you. Some of y'all have raised them up past that, and it's it's become tricky. There there ain't really no manuals for these crazy people. You, you, you got to learn on your own or ask somebody that you trust. But but I tell you what, there ain't nothing quite like being a mama or being a daddy. And I want you to notice this. These these Rome Roman people they wanted so much to become a father or a mother, but I believe to outweigh that. And I I don't know that this makes sense. What I'm about to say it does appear, but more than being a mama or a daddy, they wanted a child. Does that make sense? They they weren't concerned about themselves so much being recognized with a title. They wanted that child. They wanted to hold that little baby. And there were, there was a ceremony that was performed for the adoptive father. <laughs> I need somebody. Y'all help me. I ain't, got, I ain't gonna take time. Turn to Luke chapter 15 verse 22 and then 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. Okay. Y'all, y'all need y'all to help me. There was a ceremony that was per- performed when the father that wanted this child approached this infant or this young child and he quite literally would take off the clothing of this child that have no father. And this adopted father would have a set of clothes just for this little boy or just for this little girl and they would take off their clothes and they would put on this brand new robe and outfit. Somebody read Luke fifteen twenty two. He said, bring forth the best robe. He said, well, that was his son. Understand this. According to the law, according to the book of Deuteronomy, his son had died. Matter of fact, later in that chapter, he said, my son was dead, is now alive. This son was gone. And so he was without a son. And so, Papa, what he did when the son came back home, he quite literally placed him again as a son into his own house. And he put a new robe on him. Somebody's got 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17. The old clothes of that, of that young boy, Bobby, the old, the old possessions of that young child were taken away and they were discarded. And now this adopted father that wanted so much to make him a son or make her a daughter, he provided everything and brought her up, brought him up into his own house, placed him as a child. All things are passed away. Behold, that little word behold means looky, looky. All things have become new. <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, there's something about this adoption. He would take off the, the old clothing and put on his new clothing. And this was to symbolize the transference to a new family. In the Roman society, the father of the house literally held the power over the children, the power of life and of death. He could, if he so chose, he could kill his son. For any act, this is the Roman culture, or he could reward him for anything, whether it was good or bad. But this newly adopted son, he lost all rights and all privileges of his old family. 
Y'all listen. He lost all rights and privileges from his old family. But he became an heir to his new family. The old life was completely wiped out and he was considered in Roman culture, he was considered a blood son of his new father. (laughs) Y'all better help me. Listen, we used to go to church with a family. They adopted a little boy, uh, Evan. Was he, was he mixed black and white? Is that what he was? And then Tori was Spanish and white. Cutest little baby. Cutest little baby. Sweet, sweet little baby. I'm going to tell you something. They didn't look like mom and daddy. Mama was about that tall. She was, I mean, she was sweet as pie, but she's mean as a striped snake. I'm telling you. But but Tori didn't take after Mama because she wasn't her biological Mama. Y'all, y'all listen, Evan. He's done. He's done tall. He done got tall. And Evan is. Uh, he's he's dark skinned. He don't look like Kevin, his adopted daddy. Kevin's whiter than I am. I'm talking about he's white. Eat up with it, white. And here is here all of a sudden is Evan. They're carrying this baby. Oh, who are you keeping that baby? No, this is my son. And they'd fight you over it. Woo, Samantha, they would fight you over it. It wasn't that baby. They said, no, this is my son. I know they don't look like me, but this is my daughter. Want to know why? Because they had rejected everything from their old family and made them new. And they were just like a blood child to them. <laughs> Y'all, ain't, Y'all ain't getting it. <laughs> Galatians chapter number 4, verse number 5 and 6. I ain't even going to finish this. I'm about about done. Galatians chapter number 5, 4. Somewhere in there I'm going to read. Verse number 5 and 6 of Galatians chapter 4. To redeem that that were under the law, that ye, that we might receive the adoptions of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, may as well go ahead and read verse number 7. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. I'm gonna have, I wasn't gonna turn over there. Luke chapter number 15, somebody read verse number 22. I need you to read with me what, what, what was planned that the prodigal was gonna say. The prodigal said in verse number 17, when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants my father have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. He, this is what he said. Here's my plan. I'm writing it down. I'm putting a, a, a pen on it. He said, I will arise and go to my father and I will say unto my father, here we go. Number one, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Number two, and am no worthy to be called thy son. Number three, make me as one of thy hired servants. All right, verse number 20. He arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran on him and fell on his neck. Somebody help me. What did he do? Kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. Here we go. That's number one. He said, and and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. That's number two. He said in verse number 19, I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Verse number 21, I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son 
was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be married. Say, preacher, I don't get what you're talking about. The father never did let him finish what he had to say. He said, I'm going to go and ask for forgiveness. I'm going to tell him I'm not worthy to be a son. But I'm going to say, if you'll have me, just make me as a servant. But Galatians says, and because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of the son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son. And if a son, then an heir through uh, of God, through Christ. He said, listen, boy, I hear you're asking for repentance. I hear you saying you're no more a son. But I want you to know you are my son. I will adopt you into my family again. You will have a proper place. And I'm not hear you talk about being a servant anymore. It's newly adopted. He lost all of his rights to his old family. I wish I could tell you about my old family. Oh, my. My old spiritual family, my father, the devil, my brothers, the devils of hell, the world. They didn't care that I was as an eight-year-old boy, nine, ten, eleven, twelve-year-old boy. They didn't care that I was addicted to pornography. Matter of fact, they chose, had church folks had church folks invite me over and then they would show this stuff on their church. I said church folks. They would show this stuff on their television or show me a magazine. Talking about church folks. See, my family, prior to adoption, they wasn't no count. All they cared about was just feeding the lust, feeding the sin. But Allie, that day that I got saved, April 24th, April 24th, 1992, somehow or another, Brother David, God saw fit to take away all of that other stuff and to take, and to take me out of that family and to place me as his son into his family. And now, as our text said, we are, we are now, we are sons of God. I am an heir of God. I am a joint heir with Christ Jesus. Everything that the Son of God gets, I'm going to get. You see, God took me out of that old family. He took me out of that old lifestyle. And now my family, now my family, as got saved when I was 12, Brother Terry, now my family, they said, no, no, no. That's not what you need to be looking at. No, no, no. You don't need to be going over to their house. You mamas and daddies, might want to be careful who your children are hanging out with. All they go to church, I hear it all the time. All they go to church, they're good kids, they're good family. Better watch it. Better be careful. And this was a good family, Brother David. Good family. But the wife had no idea that her husband was still looking at this stuff. The daddy had no idea that his two sons had found his stash and was looking at it. See, my new family, they said, oh, no, we're not having you there. <laughs> my new family cared more about holiness. And I'm, I'm not perfect, Brother Kenny. We all know that. But my new family cared more about me living right and reading the right kind of books and magazines, going to the right places. See, I was 12 years old. Everywhere I went, 
My parents took me. But they had no idea what they were leading me into. Once I got 16, I could had had an old truck. Uh, oh, goodness, 1989 Dodge Ram. Thing would eat up. Ugly as homemade sin. Wouldn't half start, had a slant six in it. That thing was a piece of junk. But I'd get in that thing. Remember the other day when you left up out of here, that one, uh, maybe it was camp meeting, and you, Wah! this thing, it's it. But I'd do it to it. Oh, I called myself Allie. I called myself going mud bogging one time. Lori ain't here, but took my girlfriend and another friend. We was going to go mud bogging. And this thing didn't have no lift kit, didn't have no mud tires on it, nothing. Here I am, just a fat, goofy Christian redneck, thought he'd go and have fun. And I hit the, I hit, I went around the first mud puddle, but I hit the second one going at a high speed. And I coasted across it and I sat right down on both sides of the mud puddle. Couldn't go nowhere. So here my fool self is out there in front of my girlfriend, stuck, trying my, that ain't why she broke up with me, but that probably didn't help matters enough. Had to dig the thing out so I can go and get out of there. The whole time God said, you don't need to be in there. I'm not, I'm not preaching about mud puddles, but he's like, you don't need to be in there. The place was called the Mondex. Bunch of drunks out there, teenage drunks. He said, you don't need to be there. On the second mud puddle, God stopped me. <laughs> I'm done. I just want to testify about a $3 piece of chapstick. He was at the beach last week. And I'm telling you, I had a Holy Ghost shouting fit because God convicted me. I ain't never been convicted over $3 worth of chapstick in all my life. I ain't never done it. Went into Winn-Dixie and had to get something for Ashlyn, some medicine for her and Braylon. She said, give me some chapstick. So I looked and I found the chapstick and so I had it in my hands, and Lori called, or I called her, I can't remember. So something had to go. So I just put the chapstick in my pocket. And I'm talking to her and everything, did whatever else I had to do, and uh, paid for everything. And I got all the way out to the vehicle, and I said, what do I do with that chapstick? I must have laid it down. So I looked all in the bag. I'm telling the Holy Ghost, well, I'm glad I'm saved. <laughs> you want to know how you get, how you know you're saved? Just try to steal a piece of chapstick. <laughs> I was sitting there, I'm like, man, where is this? So I pulled everything out. I said, oh, my goodness. I reached in my britches. I said, good night. And immediately, Bobby, I said, well, it ain't nothing, $3. So I reached for the doorknob, and God said, no, you ain't going to do it. And I said, so I put my stuff in there. Went all the way back. It's hot down there. I'm ready to get back to to the cabin thing. I walked in there and there was the, the, the self checkout people and there was, or self checkout things and there was two people watching. And uh, so I come in there and I went straight to the first one. I, whoop, and it didn't work. So I went around to the other one. Old boy, old boy said, Can I help you, sir? I'm like, Nope, just stole some chapstick back to pay for it. Whoop. He said, That's a first. It ain't never happened. So thank you. And, I, whoop. and by the time Brother Jim, I got back, at, back to the car, I was crying. And it, it sounds silly, but it's just one one of those assurances that I can't even get away with <laughs> with three dollars worth of Burt's Bees chapstick. Now we stole a jalapeno pepper one time, but it wasn't but nine cents. The Holy Ghost let me buy with that one. <laughs> 
I don't know where that threshold of theft is, but he said it was okay to have the the jalapeno pepper. But folks, I I give you my heart. I, I really believe it's about that adoption. There's more to our verses, but boy, to be to be adopted physically, to be cared for enough that someone someone would accept you into their family and accept you as a son or as a daughter, regardless of any past history. But then, spiritually, to know that God sets you, places you as a son. He takes off the old and robes you with the new, which is Him, and makes you His son, an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ. And now, 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 Kaylee, we can cry, Abba, Father. You know what that means in, in dirt road terms? Diddy. That means you can go up to God and say, Hey, Diddy. That's what it means. Over in the book of Hebrews, I, I, I'm done. Over in the book of Hebrews, it says that, it said, We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. But, but then it says, We're... It says, now we can come boldly unto the throne of grace because of Christ and what He did on Calvary, because of what God did in our hearts the day that we got saved. Now we can come boldly without hesitation. We can come boldly without embarrassment. We can come boldly without any any interference between ourselves and God. We can come boldly into the throne of grace. That ought to do something for you. Let's stand.